0: Hello, and thank you for joining Milkshake Monday. I'm Anita Helm, and this is being brought to you by Fordo's Production. Today's episode is episode 247, Favor and Turmoil, Roommates as God Unfolds His Plan. I want to share with you happy celebration of Juneteenth. This is the second year after the uh, actual legislation to put Juneteenth in effect. And for those of us like me, I, I don't know a lot about this holiday other than after president Abraham Lincoln signed the emancipation proclamation, it took almost two years after for some of the Southern states that didn't want to recognize uh, the emancipation of the slaves to actually acknowledge it. So they consider the actual liberation of those that were in slavery to happen on Juneteenth. And that's what they're celebrating the uh, recognition of that holiday. I wanted to say, I remember, Uh, that when there was a change, my birth certificate has me as a woman, colored woman in my birth certificate. And for most of my life, I was identified as a black woman. And then all of a sudden there was a change and I was considered an African-American woman. So some of these changes happen. And even those of us in the community are unaware. And I was totally unaware about the legislation regarding Juneteenth until it happened and we were celebrating it. And then last year celebrated it for the first time. And this is the second year. So I just want to say happy Juneteenth to everybody. Um, Something else, as I thought about the Emancipation Proclamation, it brought me to the thoughts of Joseph while he was incarcerated and and he was brought from being a free man to slavery and then eventually found himself in the palace. So tonight, as we talk about favor and turmoil, I thought he would be a great example to talk about. And so we're going to go into Genesis 37. I'm going to talk about some things probably not discussed in the past when I've taught this, but in Genesis chapter 37, I want you to see some things. Immediately, as you see in the first couple of scriptures of Genesis 37, you'll see that they talk about the history. And then they talk about this family and started off with the 17 year old son, Joseph, who was the son of Jacob. Israel is his other name that God gave him. But they talk about how Joseph gave a bad report against his brothers. You start out a conversation about a history of a family. And then you talk about the brother giving a bad report against his brothers. Then you talk about the coat of many colors, how the father had this boy in his old age and to celebrate, recognize because they all knew that Joseph was his favorite because it was the firstborn son of his favorite wife. So there's some favoritism starting already in there not in a good way. But then Joseph in his youth does something he identifies to his brother, a dream that he has. And basically the dream is insinuating that they are going to have to bow down to Joseph. Then he has a second dream where he talks about the sun and the moon, which is symbolic of his mom and dad having to bow down to him. And there's this commotion to say, what you wanting to talk about us in the future, having to bow down to you, you're already the favorite child. And so there's some envy and there's some hatred. But as you go forward in Genesis chapter 37, I want you to see a couple of things that you may not recognize. So we're not going to go through all those scriptures, but now I want you to see in verse 15, daddy tells Joseph, I want you to go and check on your brothers. I don't know if it was because Joseph was honest and told his father about the bad report. And so he wanted to figure out what was going on with them out in the field, tending those flock. But in verse 15, Joseph is going on this errand for his father. And when he goes, there's a certain man that says to him when he sees him, what are you looking for? What do you seek? And I want you to see a couple things that are unique here. The man asks him, what do you seek? And Joseph doesn't say what, he says who, which are his brothers. So Joseph initially is answering, I'm looking for people, my brothers. And the man said what, but ultimately we're going to find that where Joseph thought he was looking for a who God was sending him on a what he was about to start the path toward the dream. He had no idea that he was seeking after a what he thought he was seeking after a who. So in verse 15, it says, now a certain man found Joseph, and saw that he was wandering around and had lost his way in the field. So the man asked him, what are you looking for? He said, I'm looking for my brothers. Please tell me where they are from this place. Where are they pasturing our flocks? Then the man said, they were here, but they have moved on from this place. I heard them say, let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. Now, can you imagine that if he had gone back to daddy, he's going to say, dad, they were supposed to be shearing here, but they went on to Dothan. That was going to be the second tattletale. The brothers already are not happy and don't like, and have a disdain to the point. The word of God says hate and envied. So look what it says as Joseph is up going toward his brothers. I want you to notice something. Yes, there is favoritism to the point that the daddy has given him a coat of many colors to show his favoritism. But because of that favoritism, hatred, and envy of his brothers, there's been some thinking in their minds where they've been mulling over the dream that they have been told by their brother, both dreams. And as they've been festering those thoughts in their mind, that hatred and envy is taken on a form that it's not just in their brains anymore. They're now gonna speak out loud the hatred to the point that they want to kill him. And then they're gonna say, not only are we gonna kill him, we're gonna devise a plan to tell daddy he's been devoured by animal, so they can do a cover-up. See how when your thoughts are evil, they manifest themselves in activity in your brain to the point you say it out loud, and then there's some evil act that follows. So we're gonna see some things in this discussion, and then we're gonna talk about it. It says here, verse 20, I'm going to verse 20 because I want to show something else. We're going to start at verse 18, but verse 20, I want you to see something else. When Satan, who is the evil one, understands that there's been a proclamation of God's plan in the sense that Joseph made it clear to his brothers and his father, of the dream, Satan had the ability also to hear. And what we see is that, Satan wants to devise using human flesh to derail the dream. And what you see in verse 20 is that the brothers who have a hatred for Joseph are going to say the words in verse 20, we shall see what will become of his dreams. They wanted to kill his dreams. They wanted to be a dream killer because they couldn't stand the fact that he's already in favoritism with daddy. And now they're going to have to be further beholden to their little brother. So let's start at verse 18. And when they saw him from a distance, even before he came close to them, they plotted to kill him. They said to one another, look, here comes this dreamer. Now then come and let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits, the cisterns, underground water storage. Then we shall say to our father, a wild animal killed and devoured him and we shall see what will become of his dreams. Now Reuben the eldest heard this and rescued him from their hands and said, let us not take his life. Reuben said to them, do not shed his blood, but instead throw him alive into the pit that it is here in the wilderness and do not lay a hand on him to kill him. He said this so that he could rescue him from them and return him safely to his father. Now, when Joseph reached his brothers, they stripped him of his tunic, the distinctive multicolored tunic, which he was wearing. Then they took him and threw him into the pit. Now, the pit was empty. There was no water in it. Can we stop for a moment? Let's talk about a little bit of favor and turmoil. Initially, he was going to be killed. Because of the plan of God, God did not want him killed. Yes, Reuben, as the eldest, identified, let's do an alternative. Let's not kill him and harm him. Let's put him in the pit. His plan was to come and get him later. But God's plan was no. He had to get to Egypt. So the favor of God was allowing him not to be murdered by his brothers because even they are in the plan of God, but their hearts are being torn toward evil because Satan desired to destroy him and the dream. He didn't know what God's plan was, but God didn't just do one dream, he did two. And when we even see Pharaoh, we're gonna see that Pharaoh had a dream twice because it was determined. God had made it an established plan that he planned to do it. And the same when it came to Joseph. So let's keep going in verse 25 of Genesis. Then they sat down to eat their meal. When they looked up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead east of the Jordan with their camels bearing leninim, resin for perfume and balm and myrrh going on their way to carry the cargo down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what do we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood, the murder? Come, let us instead sell him to those Ishmaelites and Midianites and not lay our hands on him because he is our brother and our flesh. So his brothers listened to him and agreed. Then as the Midianites and Ishmaelite traders were passing by, the brothers pulled Joseph up and lifted him him out of the pit and they sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. And so they took Joseph as a captive into Egypt. Now let's go and look some more into this favor, turmoil and how we can see the plan of God unfolding. First of all, we see the pit is there. We also see that at the right time, the traitors are coming and they're coming from their land to go to Egypt where God wants Joseph to be for his ultimate plan of God. The brothers also understand that they come to the revelation, they don't want to kill him. They soften their tone, but they still take 20 shekels of silver and they still take their brother who is free, who is a, you got to understand Joseph and these brothers are coming from a family of means. They have slaves, they have servants, and they are selling their own flesh and blood brother into slavery. And Joseph in his turmoil will not only go from freedom to slavery. He's also going to find himself from being a, a, a young man of means and wealth To going into slavery and poverty and servitude, he's also going to recognize the betrayal of his own brothers. He's going to also recognize that not only the betrayal, he won't see his father, his brother, his sister, his other family members again. He will think that this is it. He will not only not be able to say goodbye to his daddy, hug him one last time. He doesn't even know what his daddy will be told. He heard them saying, I'm going to tell, they're going to tell daddy you were killed. So his father is going to be in mourning for a child that is alive. All of this is going on in Joseph's mind as he hears and sees his own brother sell him into slavery. Genesis 39, we're going to start with that first verse. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt and Potiphar, the Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the Royal Guard. I want you to know something too. In a minute, we're gonna talk about the prison, but the prison was attached to Potiphar's house. So even though we see Joseph in slavery, overseeing the house of Potiphar and everything in the management of that house, there is also an attachment to that house where it has the prison because he's the captain of the guard, Pharaoh's guard. It says here, an Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the royal guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph and he, even though a slave, became a successful and prosperous man. Remember, he's just seventeen. And this transition from being 17 over time, the 17 year old young man is still a young man, but he's becoming a man. He's not that young boy, but he's becoming a man as a slave in this other man, the official Potiphar's house. That's the favor of God. But here's another God showed favor on that. He's going to be successful and prosperous, but also, Potiphar is going to see favor on Joseph to the point that he acknowledges it. He recognizes it and he allows him to have more management of his home. Now, I want you all to see what, what it says here. Now, his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to prosper, succeed in his hand. So Joseph pleased Potiphar and found favor in his sight. And he served him as his personal servant. He made Joseph overseer over his house and he put all that he owned in Joseph's charge. Now I want you to understand something. That's the management of a household of a man that's very powerful. I've told this before and I've taught this before, but here's where there's going to be a transition from all that he's doing but then the turmoil is about to happen. But I want you to see in the cases of the turmoil that we're going to talk about tonight, that even in your favor, the companion of favor can be turmoil. But in the turmoil, I want you to see that God is still with you. God will still allow people to recognize that his favor is on you and you still will have success and prosper like Joseph, but it doesn't mean you're not going to have enemies. You're not going to have enemies in the form of flesh. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Satan has his imps to do evil things, to lie on you. But even in the midst of your turmoil, problems, situations, it's an opportunity for your growth and your learning, for your future, for God's divine plan. And it's just you start to see what's happening in Portifar's house and what will happen in the prison shortly to be thereafter. Management, organization, thought going on in his mind, facilitating what needs to be step by step, how he will manage people, how there needs to be sub levels of management and oversight and delegation, which when he gets to Pharaoh and the dream, I want you to see this because as you read the scriptures and as you're going through things in your life, sometimes you will keep your eye on all the things that are the turmoil. And you won't understand how God is allowing the ending from the beginning to uh, to unfold. He already sees the palace because the dreams were in Genesis 37. But here we are in Genesis 39, and he's at Portiphar's house. He's a slave. He didn't see all of that. He didn't see the pit. He didn't see Portiphar, the false accusations. He didn't see the prison. He only saw what he understood to be something good, favorable. And he opened his mouth to brag about it, to boast about it, to tell his dreams, where in future he will have more wisdom. He won't let his mouth run too fast before he could say, let me just keep this and discern and pray to God. So here we have in verse five, it happened that from the time that he made Joseph overseer in his house and put him in charge over all that he owned, that the Lord blessed the Egyptians house because of Joseph. So the Lord's blessing was on everything that Porter owned in the house and in the field. Blessings wasn't just contained inside the borders of his house. His field was being blessed. Do you see how God can bless us in his favor? So Portiphar left all that he owned in Joseph's charge. And with Joseph there, he did not need to pay attention to anything except the food that he ate. Now, Joseph was handsome and attractive in form and appearance. Remember what it spoke about, about his mama? Poor Leah was a little weak on the eyes, but his mama was gorgeous and Jacob loved her. Then, verse seven, after a time... His master's wife looked at Joseph with desire and she said, lie with me, have sex. She wanted to have sex. When you look too long on what's not yours, that's when you get problems because your mind starts to think, your lust starts to rise. And she said, lie with me. She knew who her husband was. She knew that Joseph wasn't her husband. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look. With me in the house, my master does not concern himself with anything. He has put everything that he owns in my charge. He's still a slave, but he's in charge. He is not greater in this house. no he is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept anything from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do this great evil and sin against God? and your husband. But Satan don't want to take a no for the answer. And so it was that she spoke to Joseph persistently day after day, but he did not listen to her plea to lie beside her or be with her. Then it happened one day that Joseph went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the men of the household was there in the house. She caught Joseph by his outer robe, saying, lie with me. But he left his robe in her hand and ran and got outside the house. When she saw that she had left his robe, that he had left his robe in her hand and had run outside. She called to the men of her household and said to them before she says this. He's a slave. And she's using her lies. Now the brothers have lied about him being dead. Now this woman is going to lie about him having sex with her, trying to rape her. But then she's going to use something which is little prejudice bias because she's going to say that Hebrew, my husband brought that Hebrew in to mock us because he's in charge. She's the wife. She's not even in charge. Other men have been there a lot longer who are not slaves who are Egyptians are not in charge, but the Hebrew is. This young man is they're all feeling like they're in their feelings because they've been wanting that this whole thing about him having favor that hasn't go gone over well, and she's wanted to have sex with him, but now she could turn what well, she already knows those other men have been thinking how did he come in here as a slave, and he's now top person in charge over us who have been here now here it says. When he heard, let's start here with, uh, when she saw that she had the robe. So we're going to say, look at this. Your master has brought a Hebrew into the household to mock and insult us. He came to me to lie with me. And I screamed when he heard me screaming. He left his robe with me and ran outside the house. La, la, la. So she left Joseph. So she left Joseph's outer robe beside her until his master came home. Then she told her husband the same story. Lie, lie, lie. Satan's whole purpose is to lie, steal, and destroy. Saying, the Hebrew servant whom you brought among us came to me to mock and insult me. Then as soon as I raised my voice and screamed, he left his robe with me and ran outside the house. Now, God can use even the lie of this woman to work to Joseph's favor, even though it doesn't seem it, how is this going to be in his favor? The man you're going to see is going to be mad, going to take him out of the house, take him out of his nice job where he's in charge and put him in the prison and forget about him, forget about him. So now Joseph, the man's going to get upset. So verse 19, and when Joseph's master heard the words of his wife saying, This is the way the servant treated me. His anger burned. So Joseph's master took him and put him in the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined so that he was there in the prison. He could have killed him. He didn't. He put him in the prison because God's plans unfold in his timing There are always things that are happening in the midst of when you say, I don't understand why it doesn't it's not fair. It's so hard. Doesn't God understand? I've been through so much. God knows exactly what's going on in your life. He knows the circumstances, the situations, everything you've gone through and what you're going to go through tomorrow and the next day, Lord willing. But it says here. But the Lord. Was with Joseph. Even if you're in prison, God is with you. Even if your children, your nephews, your cousins, your grandsons are in prison, your friends are in prison. God can be with you even in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and extended loving kindness to him. And you say, how does that loving kindness? He's been falsely accused. He's been sold by his brother. He's this. But right now where he is, you don't hear him complaining, but he's receiving the favor of God. We have to believe that there's still a level of trust. This doesn't seem like the dream, but God's loving kindness is to him and gave him favor in the sight of the warden. The warden had to know who Joseph was because Joseph was a man running everything, running everything in the captain of the guard's house. It says here, the warden committed to Joseph's care management, all the prisoners who were in the prison so that whatever was done there, he was in charge of it. It still didn't mean he wasn't a prisoner. He still was a slave. He now was a slave that's now in prison. He, he already lost his liberty to be home, being wealthy with his family, but now he's a prisoner. He doesn't even have the ability to go in and out of a house because you know if he was managing the field, he had the ability to go in and out and do things for his master, but now he's in a prison cell running the prison. The warden paid no attention, just like Potiphar paid no attention. The warden paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's care because the Lord was with him. Whatever Joseph did, the Lord made to prosper. He was also preparing Joseph for what he was going to do. Now, I want y'all to think about something. We're getting ready to have some interpretation of dreams. In Genesis 37, Joseph had two dreams. He didn't have the interpretation for them. He didn't have the timeline for them, but he's starting to get more and more time with God that God's favor is allowing him to have growth. Not only is he growing from that 17 year old young boy to a man, a young man who's going to be an older man, He's starting to have the ability that God is revealing the interpretation of dreams, not just the dreams, but the interpretation. So you have to see the progress of God's favor, even in the midst of the turmoil. It's all leading to God's plan unfolding. So here we're going to say, I want to say a couple of things too. Interpretation, I just spoke of. I want you to understand that it doesn't show any words in the scripture of Joseph becoming hopeless. He's been a slave. He is a slave. He's in prison, but it doesn't show that he's having hopeless days, hopeless attitude, hopeless thinking. He's working. He's being put in charge. He doesn't show this disappointment. You've got to understand it internally. I'm sure he's thought about his family. I'm sure he's thought about his daddy. I'm sure he has to have thought about the betrayal of his brothers in the time span that's happening. I'm sure he's got to miss his family, miss his old life. But even in his disappointment that he may have, you don't see it spoken of. You just hear about the favor, the loving kindness that God was seeing him through. Now here, let's jump to verse 20. There's a situation brewing where there the cupbearer and the baker find themselves in prison and i'm not going to go into chapter 40 in depth because i want to move forward in time in chapter 40 joseph is in charge of the prison and he has two people from pharaoh's palace to come in there and they have the dreams and joseph gives the interpretation he tells the one it's going to be favorable for you and the time frame And the other, your head's going to be lifted off. And they promised him, we won't forget you. We'll tell Pharaoh about you. But it doesn't happen. Again, he's disappointed. He's forgotten. He's forgotten about by his family because it's been years. They think he's dead. So they're grieving and mourning him, but they haven't thought about him. They're not coming to find him. And now he's being forgotten by the man that didn't die. So let's jump over to chapter 40, verse 20. Now on the third day, which was the Pharaoh's birthday, he released the two men from prison. This is going to be the finality of these dreams and made a feast for all his servants. And he lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker, that is, presented them in public among his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his office and the cupbearer once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But Pharaoh hanged the chief baker, just as Joseph had interpreted the meaning of the dreams to them. Yet, verse 23, even after all of that, the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot all about him. Chapter 41, we're going to be in verse 1, jump to verse 9 through 17, and then 24 till the end of that chapter going toward verse 46. So, verse 1. Now it happened at the end of two years. He has been forgotten for two additional years. He's staying in the prison. Yes, he's in charge, but he had hope that that cupbearer would have remembered him. In two years, something could have clicked. Something could have been grateful. I got released and I knew about it in advance because it is nothing was remembered. And he'll say to Pharaoh in a minute, it's my fault. I didn't remember this guy. Now it happened at the end of two years that Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing by the Nile jumped up. I'm going to jump a little bit. And Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them to him. Let's jump to verse nine. Then the chief cupbearer spoke to Pharaoh saying, I would mention my faults today. Two years ago, Pharaoh was angry with his servants and he put me in confinement in the house of the captain of the guard, both me and the chief baker. We dreamed a dream on the same night. He and I, each of us dreamed according to the significance of the interpretation of his own dream. Now there was with us in the prison, a young man, a Hebrew servant to the captain of the guard. And we told him, and he interpreted our dreams for us to each man according to the significance of his own dream, and just as he interpreted the dreams for us, so it happened. I was restored to my office as cheap cupbearer, and the baker was hanged. Then Pharaoh sent and called for Joseph. Now I want y'all to look at something: The timing of what's happening. God knew when he was going to send that dream to Pharaoh. God knew that that cupbearer was going to forget, and Joseph would be in that prison another two years in turmoil, but in turmoil getting training, in turmoil getting more loving kindness, in turmoil having more time with God in the prison. And I want you to see that he wasn't in fine fashion. They say that before he comes to see Pharaoh, he's going to have to shade, get himself together. So he's going to have to change from where he's been in the prison in that turmoil, but there needs to be a change of his status. Even in his appearance, God is getting ready to make a change. But look what it says here. It says, then Pharaoh sent and called for Joseph and they hurriedly brought him out of the dungeon. And when Joseph shaved himself and changed his clothing, making himself presentable, he came to Pharaoh. There's going to be changes in your lives. When the change happens, no, it's God's timing. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have dreamed a dream and there is no one who can interpret it. And I've heard it said about you. Now, what they're going to talk about is his dreams. Did it say about the rape, the false accusation, Portiphar's wife saying that he attacked her. None of that. It's this man dreamed some, he uh, interpreted some dreams that were dreamed by the cupbearer and the baker. Nothing about that past lie. I have heard it said about you that you can understand a dream and interpret it. Joseph answered Pharaoh because he'd been with God. He knew it wasn't him. He knew this is all God. And when you find yourself in favor with God, speak the truth about who God is in your life. Speak the truth about what he's doing. That's why you don't want to be on the veranda like King Nebuchadnezzar say, look at my big house, look at my good cars, look at my good credit, look at my four hundred one k. Look at this. Uh uh-uh. uh. Only through the grace of God that any of us have anything that we have. It's only through God's hand. And so Joseph says to him, Joseph answered Pharaoh, "It is not in me to interpret the dream. God, not I, will give Pharaoh a favorable answer through me." See the things that are happening. Through us, the favor is happening to us, but it's through us that we are getting success or prosperity or things are happening. But it's only for us to give praise and worship to God. Now it says here, so Pharaoh said to Joseph in my dreams, and he goes and recounts the dream and I won't recount all the dream. Now we're going to jump to here. It says, now I told this to the magicians and soothsayers, but there was no one who could explain it to me. Verse 25, then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the two dreams, remember his two dreams? The two dreams are one and the same and have one interpretation. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. In Genesis 37, there was a glimpse to Joseph of what he's about to do. Didn't have understanding at the point, but he showed in those two dreams what he was about to do. How many dreams have we had? where God is trying to show us a glimpse of what he's about to do. And we pass it off to pork chops. It says then, the seven good cows are seven years and the seven good ears are seven years. The two dreams are one and the same. The seven thin and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years and also the seven thin ears dried up and scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine and hunger. This is the message. Just as I told Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Listen very carefully. Now he's going to go and share about the abundance and how it's going to come back in a famine. So all of that you need to read, but I want you to jump down to verse 32. That the dream was repeated twice to Pharaoh and in two different ways indicates that this matter is fully determined and established by God and will, and God will bring it to pass very quickly. It was established by God in verse in chapter 37 about God's plan to have Joseph be at the palace, but he didn't tell him seven years, seven years. He just told him what was going to be the end, but he didn't tell him all the things you got to go through. There was no talk about the betrayal in the pit, Potiphar's wife and the betrayal of his wife or the prison but here God is telling the specificity, the certainty to this man who has spent some time with God. Verse 33, so now let Pharaoh, now look at this, because in the turmoil he was being trained of God, trained how to manage, when he got that dream, he also got from God the understanding of how this has to, he saw what was gonna happen, but he's gonna also now have the plan for Pharaoh outlining the plan. I got so excited about this. I want to jump on at five (laughs) o'clock. I sure did and tell y'all about this, but look at what happens in this state, but God, only God could give the precision and the plan and then have Pharaoh say, what he's going to say back to Joseph? But in here it says, so now let Pharaoh prepare ahead and, and look for a man discerning and clear headed and wise and set him in charge over the land of Egypt as governor under Pharaoh. Let Pharaoh take action to appoint overseers and officials over the land and set aside one fifth of the produce of the entire land of Egypt in the seven years of abundance. Oh, go ahead, God. Go ahead. He's shown off. Anyway, he goes on. You got to read all that because I'm not going to spend all time reading it. But then this is how God, God will take that favor and that turmoil, which are roommates, as God is unfolding his plan. And look what Pharaoh's going to say. He, he goes on. I'm going to have to jump now. Now, after he goes through all the specifics of his learning through the turmoil, y'all, verse 37 says, Now the plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his servants. So remember who's the servant? Captain of the guard was uh, Portifar. I'm sure he heard Joseph got taken out of that prison, and how yeah, he gonna be top man in charge under Pharaoh. Y'all hear? Y'all know what's gonna happen. So Pharaoh said to his servants, "Can we find a man like this, a man equal to Joseph, in whom is the divine spirit of God?" Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, "Since your God has shown you all this." Y'all, I want to shout, since your God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and clear-headed and wise as you are. You shall have charge over my house and all my people shall be governed according to your word and pay respect to you with reverence, submission, and obedience. And only in matters of the throne. Will I be greater than you in Egypt? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you in charge over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took off his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and dressed him in official vestments. He went from prison clothes to clothes to be presented to Pharaoh, get his spirit shape. but no, that's not even good enough. We got to put a ring on your finger. That's Pharaoh's signet ring and give some royal clothes do you see how God, when he's ready to promote you to where he wants you to be in your plan, God don't play y'all. Anyway, let me calm down. It says he had him ride in his second chariot and runners proclaimed before him, attention, bow the knee. And he set him over all the land of Egypt. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, Though I am Pharaoh, yet without your permission shall no man raise his hands to do anything or set his foot to go anywhere, in all the land, all classes of people shall submit to your authority. Then Pharaoh name Joseph Zephanoth, Panah? And he gave him Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of O, as his wife. And Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt to inspect and govern it. Now, okay, y'all. Okay, I just wanted to share that God gives us his children favor. That does not mean that we don't go through turmoil and situations in the midst of being favored by God. But we have to trust and hope and believe and stand on his promises to know that he knows the ending from the beginning. And in the midst of our turmoil, there will be training for the future of what God has in store for all of us in his plan. So trust his loving kindness, trust his love, trust his grace, trust that we can be hopeful in God almighty. We can trust God because it's with his favor in the midst of the turmoil that we know that we're in the will of God and for his plan. I love you. Don't forget, the harvest is ripe, but the labors are few. If you're seeing this on Facebook, share it. If you're watching this on YouTube, like, comment, and subscribe. Hit the post notifications. We're going to be doing new things, and we are going to have some new changes in our YouTube videos. We're having some stuff that hkl for You Productions has been doing, and you're going to have some fun times because there are some outtakes that are going to have you cracking up laughing. I don't mind Laughing at myself because, hey, we are laughter is a cheerful medicine and I love to laugh and I love you all. Lord willing, I will see you next week. God God bless you.